Welcome to the Williamston Theater Backstage Chat Podcast. The Williamston Theater is Mid-Michigan's professional regional theater, and our backstage chat is a way for you to dive deeper behind the scenes and get to know some of the artists at work. In this episode, we chat with the playwright of On the Market, Jason Odell Williams. So come on, let's go backstage. Jason Odell Williams is an Emmy-nominated writer and producer, as well as an award-winning playwright and novelist. Hailed as a postmodern Clifford Odets by the L.A. Times and this country's newest Eugene O'Neill by the Santa Monica Daily Press, his play Church and State was nominated for Best New Play by the Off-Broadway Alliance and L.A. Ovation Awards. Church and State was selected to be an NNPN rolling world premiere, with productions in Los Angeles and Rochester, before running for over 100 performances off-Broadway at New World Stages. Jason's first play, Handle with Care, was a New York Times critic's pick, ran for over 100 performances off-Broadway, starring Carol Lawrence, has been produced over 20 times since 2011 in the U.S. and Canada, and won three Theatre Bay Area Awards, including Outstanding Production. His other plays include Baltimore in Black and White, Someone Else, The Science of Guilt, Going Offline, and The Jungle Gym. Jason was a winner of the 2012 Hudson Valley Writers' Center Contest and the winner of the 2011 Fix-Its of Life Theatre Playwriting Contest. He lives in New York City with his wife and daughter. Jason Odell Williams, thank you so much for joining us on the Williamston Theater Backstage Chat Podcast. Thank you, Emily. It's great to be here. Yeah, you're our second guest, our our first guests being ourselves. So I guess we don't really count, but um, but we're really excited <laughs> well, to be talking well, to you. I'm, um, I'm the Bill Murray of podcasts. I'm always the first guest. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so we are, as our audience, our listeners may know, uh, we are currently producing your play on the market, which mm-hmm. is just delightful and has gotten such wonderful feedback from our audiences. They are literally laughing and crying, um, leaping That's to the their goal. feet. That's the goal, right? <laughs> make it, make everyone have all the feels. Um, and uh, it's a story of Charlotte who has lost her husband at an unexpected time in life, uh, just in young middle age, and is trying to sort out who she is now without the partner who she thought she'd have on her whole journey. So where did this play come from in you? Um, it's sort of a tricky question to answer because I don't know where they all come from. Uh, I, I do feel like not to sound too woo-woo, I feel like it is a little bit the muse. It's sort of they kind of come from whatever that special weird thing is in the universe. Um, it's not like, oh, I'm going to write a play about this. It just like it doesn't just come to you like that. It's like bits and pieces and fits and starts. And I felt like I had a, a conversation a long time ago. I mean, like 2012 or 13 with a friend of mine uh, who was a real estate kind of dabbling in real estate and thought and she was getting divorced. And she was like, oh, my gosh, I'm on the market and I'm selling stuff on yeah. the market. Like, wouldn't that be a funny, like, movie to write? You know, right. she pitched it to me and I was like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> and, you know, ha ha ha. And we moved on. 
And then uh, I guess it just was stuck in the back of my, you know, consciousness at some point. And then I had been working on a few plays and I'm always working on several things. And I think I was working on something pretty sort of dark and serious. And, and I just wanted to like do something light and fun and, you know, rom-com-y again, which I, I, that's the first play I wrote was Handle With Care, which was a four person rom-com. Um, and this one, I thought I wanted to do a four person, again, a small cast rom-com, but like give the other, maybe one lead actor and then everyone else has lots of things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just kind of like the structure I gave myself. And then I don't know where it came from. I remember this idea about, oh, a real estate agent who's back on the dating scene. But I was like, what would make her back on the dating scene? I was like, and divorce seemed not as, um, I don't know, weighty, a, a, yeah. A, a, yeah, yeah. a circumstance to give her. And so because then it's they always on say, some level, divorce is a choice, right? It's a choice. It's a maybe bad luck. It's, you know, I don't, I don't yeah. know. It's just not as like heavy and just doesn't come with as many stakes. And, and they also talk about, you know, write something that scares you. And, you know, that would scare me, you know, to yeah. lose a spouse or, or yeah. even to, to go first. And so that's what I did. And um, with very little imagination, I just used my wife's name, Charlotte, and our daughter's name, Imogen, I think pops up in the script at one point. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I just, just so I could like, guess it helps me to like picture a person. And then um, I just kind of populated this world. And, and I just started exploring, like, what would it be like? And how long, how long does grief last and should it last? And how would you deal with that? And then is there a way to make it funny? And because also I was like hearing through friends and stuff about, you know, Tinder and those things. And, and I have no right. experience with any of that. And I was like, that seems like a weird, funny world for somebody who's like in their late 40s, early 50s. And that's where the idea started. <laughs> and then um, it, it just kind of went from there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and do you... That, do you have uh, an experience living on Long Island? Is that why you picked that as the locale? No, it, it sort of started off as a nebulous location. And then I just kind of realized, oh, I'm, I keep talking about the city and coming into the city. Like I, I knew that I wanted them to be houses, right? I didn't want them to be apartments in New York. I live right. in New York. Yeah. And I was like, well, they should be houses, you know, yards and things. And, and then, um, you know, I get the New York Times every weekend and you read the real estate section. I was like literally looking because I wanted the language of like, you know, this, you know, um, <laughs> 2,500 square foot stunner, you know, with backyard, this thing, you know, they, they right, right. the things that which we do in the play. And I literally was like, I need to find like, what are their sort of, you know, go-to catchphrases that they have in those listings. Sure. And, and I was like, oh, these ones in Long Island are exactly what I'm looking for. And I, <laughs> I have, I have some family, you know, my, uh, an uncle who lives on Long Island and his, big extended family and I've been there several times and but I've not like spent time there but I just felt like oh that's the perfect sort of suburb distance and and it it was I don't know somehow better than New Jersey or Connecticut like it just felt right and we Uh just kept sort of like oh that feels and then we were sort of beating around the bush like and then finally I was like let's just get specific and say it's Long Island At, at one point I was like oh whatever theater that does it it can be their sort of like suburb to the big city right um and then I thought, well, I'm just going to make it specific and people know where New York is. And and it right. just made it a little bit cleaner also because you never know if everybody has the LIRR, any sort of like train that gets them. There'd be too many changes to make. Right. Um, yeah. I think if we if it had been sort of a choose your own adventure style of fill in the blank of what's local for mm-hmm. us, it would have been harder to do because um, we we li- we are close to 
uh, Lansing, which is the yeah. capital in Michigan, but I think we're a little bit too close. So it could be Detroit, but there's no, there's no public transportation that <laughs> yeah. equals. <laughs> yeah. And then it becomes difficult. It becomes sort of a gimmick. And I was like, oh, let's put it in New York. And so that, yeah. that's why Long Island. Cause I wanted it to be, yeah. Like, uh, close enough to a big city but like also far enough away where you can just live there and like never go in and like right. that just becomes your life yeah true true, Which true i know plenty of people who do that right um yeah and our scenic designer kirk domer uh, i love took, your set isn't it's it cool yeah. it's it amazing. is a map of long island and yeah. uh i mean our space is so small it's like 15 by 15 it's like a postage stamp size space uh, we really, our scenic designers really have to be creative. Yeah. Um, it's, and gee, I saw that first picture and I was like, oh my gosh, is that the set? Like, I'm blown away. That is so cool. Right. <laughs> and then they've got the ads. He's got those pop out ads on the back wall that represent all of the different locations because, you know, you've given us 65 locations to do in our 15 by 15 <laughs> <laughs> stage. With You're welcome. No... <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank you. Um, actually, there's so many plays that are like that. And Luckily, we have a wealth of talent in our uh, creative team, uh, in all of the people that we bring in to work on our productions. And Kirk is, this is not the first time that he's had to do this in our space where he's created a backdrop for uh, an entire world of locations. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, the, I think they had a lot of fun with that, uh, you know, that challenge of, of finding a way to integrate that real estate world mm -hmm. and um the people who live in it there are, like you mentioned there are so many characters who are um represented by just a limited number of actors who you know change hats and voices and coats and things like that and become <laughs> right, a right. whole world of people um are those people real for you do you do you ha did you pull them from people you know in your real life the no the short answer is no <laughs> i mean the, the, the charlotte character is is based on my wife, just, and she's not a real estate agent, but, um, you know, she's Danish, Israeli, oh, you know, that, that sort of, that, that background. Okay. Um, uh, the other ones, no, they're not based on anybody real. I mean, uh, the first production I thought was going to be, and it was, was, it was at, um, the JCC center stage in Rochester. And I've worked with Ralph Moranto, the artistic director there. And, um, a couple of his sort of stalwart actors, you know, local actors. And I, I got to know a few of them mm -hmm. doing Church and State and then another play called Division Street. And I kind of had three of them in mind. And then Charlotte was just this other person. And so I sort of had those three actors, uh, two, two men and a woman in mind for the other parts. Uh -huh. um, so like, so the main parts, so like Diane and Frank and James. And then um, they ended up, they were, they were all, cast to do it and then one of the guys ended up not being able to because of a conflict and so mm -hmm. they cast somebody else in that part but so they were all in my head as the main parts just like you know it's just a vague it just helps you as a writer to have somebody in mind even if they're not the person who ends up doing it it just kind of makes it more three-dimensional in your head absolutely like how they talk and just mannerisms and make it just a little bit more so they all sound different um so those three characters were that and then for like the you know the 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 couples that come in and buy houses or the, you know, the, those little random yeah. and the, the bad dates and stuff. Those were just, you know, they're, they're as, as big exaggerations as I could. Come right. Up. I right. Wanted them to be very, very, it's supposed to be almost cartoonish because it's almost like this dream state sometimes. And sometimes it's real. And sometimes it's imagined a lot of times it's real. Um, but, but so 
no, those three people were kind of invented, but with, with, with those actors, actors in mind. mind, but it's not like I took details from their life. Right. No. Yeah. You just knew their, their capacity, their capability for being able to switch and uh, yeah. portray fun yeah, like, characters. Yeah. And, and, you know, like the guy that's Frank, he's like, he's like this funny quirky dude and I, it, it's, he's very smart, but quirky and nerdy yeah. uh, and can also be charming and cute. And so it's like, it's this weird mix. And so you're like, yeah, let's throw that in a pot. Um, yeah. And that way the characters are more three-dimensional. Yeah. Me. Yeah. I do that with a lot. I start with a friend or, or it's usually never like a famous actor. It's always like a friend, like, Oh, I'm going to put this person in that part. And sometimes <laughs> they do it. And sometimes they don't, right. like it, but it's just, it, it's a good um, baseline. For yeah. me. And then the, the character evolves and becomes its own thing. And then, and then once you're like really deep into rewrites, then the character is its own thing, but it's a good place for me to start. Always. Yeah. Like a springboard. Yeah. Just to get the ball from. You can see them. You can hear them. You can see them. Otherwise it's very nebulous and they become, they become too generic and they start to sound alike. And you right. Want your characters that all sound alike. Right. Now you mentioned the first production at Ro mm -hmm. in Rochester, New York, right? Yes. Um, when was that? When did that take place? That was last October, like a year ago, uh, exactly. Um, okay. And my, my wife and I went up and saw it. It was fantastic. And um, we saw two shows. We saw, you know, a, a Saturday evening and a Sunday afternoon. Uh -huh. And for me, it, it's, I just need to hear it with an audience a couple of times, I mean, two or three times, and then you get so much great feedback. And then my wife and I had this long trip back from Rochester back to New York, and we were just like, talked about it. Like, okay, what worked? What didn't? Right. Let's talk about it. Right. Did they do and a, we, like, did they do it like a preview process? Cause we do that. They did. They, they did have, they had like two previews. I wasn't there for those. Okay. They do previews. And then I was there. I, it was opening night mm -hmm. and then the, the next performance. Um, and they sometimes do talkbacks, but I've learned that I don't, I don't do well with the talkback. Like, okay. It doesn't help me. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's always too, because uh, usually it's a talk back right after a performance and I'm still like thinking about so much stuff that I'm not hearing everything people are saying. And mm. then talk back, you know, sometimes people say things that are astute and then they just want to talk and they just say stuff and it gets the conversation <laughs> off the rails. It's right. like, no, no, no. But to me, the, 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 the real, what you're hearing when, it, when you have an audience, the laughs, the, the, you can hear people sometimes sniffling and crying. Like you yeah. can literally hear people like going for the tissues at some point and you can hear when they get bored and when they shift in their seats. And so, a collective reaction is always accurate, but one person's like opinion after a show is sometimes not reliable is what I've learned. So right. I, I like that audience. So I take that audience feedback and then we went to the back to the drawing board and, and like we cut two whole scenes and we added things. And, it's interesting um, because when, when yeah. we were back in, Oh gosh, late last year, early this year where Tony had uh, Tony Caselli, our artistic director yeah. had, picked the show this is I think this is going to be the season opener I think this is going to be in our lineup blah 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 and I read it and I think I read the earlier version because that's the one that he I, had, I, he yeah. had that he had emailed way earlier when he was looking at it and so I reread it and I made a whole bunch of notes on it and I was like oh this one's got an intermission oh we haven't had that in a while because we've been doing a lot of 90 minute no intermission plays and then mm. Later on, they were talking about, yeah, in, in the notes I'm, I'm seeing, yep, straight through, no intermission. I was like, wait, wait, what? I, did I read the wrong version? <laughs> and so then he goes, yeah, sorry, should have sent this one. Um, just because you did do rewrites and you did cut it down. And, um, yeah. and it's great. I mean, 
we have a variety of responses to that 90 minute no intermission thing. Some people love it because yeah. they love to get out of there. Um, and they yeah. don't like to be interrupted. As an actor, I don't like interrupting my journey. Um, right. But then some people really do want the, the two act structure that they're used to. So Yeah, some audiences like it. They appreciate the break. Some of them literally just need to get up and pee. Right. Some theaters want to sell concessions and things like that. Right. Um, I've just, I, I just have learned to just write the play and let it tell you what it is. And, and the other one that you read, like there was this natural breaking point yeah. and it was like a good reset. Um, and then as we sort of made changes, I was like, well, if we cut this scene and this scene, I was like, then it just needs to go straight through. Right. Um, and then it, it really changes the kind of the feel. It, it feels a little bit more like you're just on this ride, right? She starts at the top and it's like, you don't, you don't get a break until it's over. And, and I, I appreciate that as an audience member and as an actor. Um, to like, once the lights go up, like, that's it. There's no, you know, intermissions. Because intermissions can can help. It, it, you know, musicals need them. But I feel like with a play, um, I think that momentum, you don't want to break that momentum. Yeah. It's a lot to, you've built all this goodwill with the audience to get them to buy into this world. And then they go out in the lobby and talk and do these things. And it's come back. It's like another five, 10 minutes before they're back on board right. in, in the second act. So I just feel like, I'm, I'm trying to think of any play that I have that has an intermission. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, they, I, I think I wrote in, in Church and State and Handle with Care, I wrote like, you can take an intermission here if you want to. Right. I wouldn't advise it, right. but you can. And I know people that do. Um, yeah, I think I've just, I don't think I have it. Also, I, I like to write fast. I don't, I'm not going to write a play that's, you know, 120 pages. So, right. Um, but yeah, so we made, we made changes with that, that, that version and I think it helped a lot the Rochester production seeing that because you know you can't tell if a play is ready until you see it from an audience mm -hmm. um and you know you, you guys had your rehearsal process and Tony has emailed me can we change this word can we add this can we change you know and I'm like yes 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 yeah. I'm like taking notes and I'm gonna you know after you guys are, are finished with your run I'm gonna talk to him and be like what what what's anything else besides those little notes like can I can change because then they're gonna do it in um, Jacksonville, Florida oh, okay. uh, later this year and they had already done it in Seattle they they had a run of this version of the play Okay, um, and that went really well they got very nice reviews and, and audience feedback and, um, and then you guys were the third and then Jackson will be the fourth I feel like there's a fifth but I'm not remembering what it is um, and then once then once all of those productions happen then I'll be like okay now the play is locked right and then i'll i'll send it out and be like does anybody want to publish it and i have a few publishing houses that work with the play okay but, um, it's good to have you know yeah i mean productions before you commit to like the final version because you're figuring you know you're seeing it with the audience and you're seeing what they're responding to and what oh that line always works definitely keep that you know right that kind of thing. yeah and and i think that's something that um listeners and our audience members might not be aware of is that it really is a process to develop a play. It's not just, I write it, it's done. And there you go. Um, because oh, yeah, there no, is it, such it, a learning process with an audience there. They're part of it. It's not. And the audience is, is the last and maybe most important element, but as you found, you, you know, your team found, during the rehearsal process mm -hmm. is also when you learn a lot. You're like, I should, this looked good on the page, but now that we're up, like, this doesn't make sense. Or, or how can you get him from here to here? Can we change this? And sometimes you just like, I, when it's on the page, you don't realize 
oh yeah, that's a lot of ground for him to cover right? without any words. Can I say something here? I think Tony even asked about that. Like, oh, they have to exit. Can they like say something? It's this really long, awkward silence. And I'm like, oh, right. Like, I didn't think about that. Right. Um, you have so all, like little things like that. Yeah. You have all these other people asking questions about the world that you've created and put on paper. But I imagine a lot of the world stays in your head because you can't put everything on the paper. So when people start asking questions you get to flesh that out a little bit. What's, what are the nuggets of information that need to be covered? Yeah. Things that you just sort of had a blind spot for, right. or you thought, Oh, I didn't even think about that. Um, and that's why, you know, four heads are better than one. So, you know, you have this uh, sort of idea in your head of what it's going to be. And then, you know, it's not a novel. It's not like I'm not writing this by myself. And then here you guys make what you want. It's, I want actors and directors and audiences to 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 tell me what works, what doesn't, what tracks, what doesn't. Logic stuff, like that's the other thing. Once you get a, a cast, because I'm looking at all of the characters and then an actor is like, well, this is my one part. I'm focused on this one part. And they go, this doesn't make sense. I said this on page 12, but then on page 50, I say something totally different. And you go, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let me fix that. So yeah, it, it is a, it's a process and, and there's no way to speed up the process. I found you really have to write a messy first draft and then a, a better second draft. And then finally something you can read out loud and then do a workshop and then do a production and then make changes and then do another production. And then I think you need at least two, full productions before mm -hmm. you're like okay now i get it uh, if you have more that's great but that's that's what's worked for me in the past and um i don't i don't know that anybody can hit print after you know i wrote this i hit print and that's the play and you do it no changes right <laughs> impossible yeah. i think it's it's funny i've been watching uh, well i love to watch documentaries and when i watch show business documentaries about the olden days when they would do an out-of-town run of yeah. these big Broadway musicals, it was precisely to work out those kinks, to figure out does the end of act one big number really work? And so you have all these wonderful stories of, well, in New Haven, we did this, but when we got it to <laughs> New York, we did that. And yeah. now that's been replaced in New York with a, a lengthy preview period. So they're bringing right. the audiences that to them. Well, but they, they do both. They still do the out of town. I mean, the musicals especially will still do that regional run. Right, right. Out in La Jolla to, or whatever, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And so that's what, uh, and plays do that too. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's just, yeah, you need, you need. You need that work. It's a need process. The audience to, yeah, you need the audience especially and, and, and to put up on its feet and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and also it's really great for me to see how different productions handle things because stage directions aren't super explicit and then you guys came up with this amazing set and it's like that's that's what i like too is to be like give a give a, a foundation on a blueprint but don't be like prescriptive like it has to be a wall and a bed here and it has right. to be this stage right and this stage left because then you can let the designers bring their imagination to it and every like you said your space is different dimensions than other spaces and so um it's very helpful for me to see like, oh, look, they did it with this kind of theater and it worked and they did it in this kind of space and it worked in a different way. And these guys had a big, big proscenium and they made it a different kind of stage and that worked. And so what, um, what have been some of the other um, set concepts? So uh, in, in, in Rochester, they have a big like proscenium stage. It's more like a, for musicals, like that mm -hmm. kind of a theater. 
And so they had, it was like a frame in the back, an empty, like a big, like a big empty frame. And then there were like three areas. There was like a off, there was a kitchen area mm-hmm. sort of up, up right, which was like uh, Charlotte's house. And then there was an office area up left, which was like where they worked. And then down left was like more of the office area. And then down right was like the cafe restaurant. Okay. And then in the middle was this couch where she sat with her therapist. Okay. Um, and so they just kind of kept moving to those areas and it, it works because they didn't have to really have like big scene changes. Um, but then the, in, in Seattle, they have a very small space and they just basically had, I think like a couch and sort of an office area which mm-hmm. then became the cafe and the couch then became the living room right. it, it, so it all did double duty kind of like what ours tighter. does yeah ours yeah does and too. I think I think that's probably maybe in some ways better like to keep it tight and more efficient um but so to see that it, you, you can have a big wide set and what I what I was happy to see is that nobody felt like you have to go lights out some stagehand pushes in a thing, <laughs> lights back up. Like that's always the death of the a, death of, a of it. Yes, it's yeah. deadly. Yeah, yeah. we we um, try to keep the storytelling going between the scenes because yeah, that's something too. It's an opportunity to keep the story going and the audience engaged. And uh, yeah, I think that yeah, yeah, that's the way to go. And and I mean, even if you had like whatever an off Broadway Broadway house where they could like slide things in or whatever, right. it's really cool. I, I'm you know I'm like uh, I, I don't. I don't necessarily need that when I go see a play. I, I really prefer like what you guys have done, like one big concept with like that back wall essentially. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's a couple of pieces of furniture for people to sit, stand, move around on. And then we as the audience can do the rest. Yeah. You know? I, I don't need to see a wall and a thing on, you know, a door and a, you know, I don't need all that. Right. Um, Especially with a play like this, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that you are also an actor. Um, well, I, I, I will go, well, I, you can finish your question, but I, I was an actor. I, I don't, I don't really, I'm, I don't do that anymore. Although okay. I, I did, <laughs> I did do a reading of a play that I wrote just last week. It's a one person show that I'm working on. Okay. And I, I performed it, which is very rare. I haven't done anything like that in, in years. Um, is that how you no, got, I start, yeah, sorry, I was going to say, is that how you got into theater through the acting route? Exactly. So I mean, I did it in high school. Mm -hmm. And and that's sort of where you get the bug. And we had this great theater program and this great teacher. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. And I went to college, not knowing that I would do that. I was just like, I like that. That was fun. I came to college and sort of found my way to the drama department. And then by sophomore year, I was like, Yeah, I think this is what I'm going to do. And so that's what I did exclusively. I was a theater major and did tons of plays and, you know, tons of Shakespeare and, and came to New York and acted for two and a half years and then went to grad school for three years as for an acting and, mm. and then did lots of regional theater and some off Broadway. And I got to like 2006 and did a play regionally, a really great play. And I sort of was like, that's, I feel like it's going to be as good as it gets mm. for me. Like, and I was like, it just wasn't fulfilling enough. I just wasn't getting what I wanted out of it. And I think, and I started realizing what I liked all this time and I didn't realize what I liked about theater was the words was the play. And I was like, what if I could just do that? <laughs> and, yeah. and the play that I was in, in, in DC at the time was a play by Neil Butte called fat pig, which is a four person play. And it just was kind of, it just felt attainable. It wasn't like, 
the crucible or, or um, death of a salesman or these like big plays from the 1950s that just felt so foreign to me. They're great plays. And, and, you know, but it just was like, I was like, I'm never going to write a play like that. And then I saw this play that was very contemporary and, you know, know, uh, colloquial language. And I just thought, and it didn't seem like rocket science. I don't know. Just I felt like, oh, I could maybe do that. <laughs> it's totally naive. You need to 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 be a writer. You have to have that sort of arrogance and 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 innocence at the right. same time. Right. Um, and I was like, let me just try and write a play. And I was like, I looked at my wife and I was like, you know, we know a bunch of actors, and and she has this great. She's an actress as well. And I was like, I'm gonna write something for you. And she's she's Israeli. And I was like, I'm gonna write a play where you speak Hebrew and only barely speak English and that's going to be the conceit of the play and that was the first play that I I sat down to try to write and took five years and then that was the first play that we did off Broadway um what's the title handle with care handle with care all right and that that's had a really nice regional life and um it also was done at 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 JCC and that's where I first met Ralph um uh so yeah so I was an actor um and it really it helps I think to be a writer, to have done that. Um, sure. Because now I want to, I, I want to be able to play all the parts. I want all of the parts to be great. You mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. So I, I try, I really try and make a play. I don't want to have like, Oh, you just get these five lines and it's all exposition. Like I want every little part to be enjoyable for the actor. Cause I'm like, well, what if that was me? I would, <laughs> I would want to, I would want to be excited about going to rehearsal every day. So right. I, I really also try and create plays that are, are fun for the audience and fun for the the cast and creative team too. That's my goal always. Well, thank you for that (laughs) from all of us. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what is next for you? What are you working on now? And, and what should we keep our eye out for? Yeah. Well, so the, the, the two things I'm working on, I mean, a few things, but the the big things are this one person show, a solo show that I did uh, last week, which I'm I'm very excited about and I want to rewrite and take to, get out to regional houses i think i even talked to tony i was like can i send you this when i'm finished mm. um and what's does and it have a title does it have a it's called just it's called destroying david and it's about um a, a, an art restorer who has uh suffered a, a loss a, a death a, a very close loved one has died and they um give tours of michelangelo's david and they've decided on this tour that they're going to destroy michelangelo's david Wow. Uh, because they're in such grief and it's their sort of journey of how to deal with loss, grief, and what is the meaning and purpose of art. And sort of the theme is uh, why we need art and why it's beautiful and why we have to protect it. Cool. And in the middle of that, you're getting this history, this sort of slight history lesson of the David and it's charming and it's funny and it's scary and sad and hopefully all of those things. And right. <laughs> we did, we did the, we did the reading and it went very well, but I think I'm going to make one kind of, big sort of dramaturgical change which is going to take a while to to pull off sure. um but but i think it, it it's it's coming along so i'm excited about that and the other one is a is a musical that my wife and i are working on and i've never written a musical and i i can't uh, write music or sing or any of that but we we've we've um found a really amazing composer christian douglas uh and so my wife charlotte Cohn and i and christian are working on a musical called the sound which is uh, a little bit based on my wife's father's true life story. Um, he was a Danish Jew living in Denmark during World War II. And they found out uh, on, 
on Rosh Hashanah evening that the, the Germans were going to finally, after occupying Denmark for three years, were going to finally start rounding up all of the Jews and taking them to concentration camps. Mm-hmm. Word spread quickly uh, among Christians and, and Jews all throughout Denmark, and uh, they, 95% of them escaped uh, by fishing boats to Sweden, which is like only like a couple of kilometers away across the Sound. Oh, wow. uh, but they had to do it in secret at night, really early in the morning. They had to be hidden. Um, and so it's the story of how they escaped uh, from Denmark to Sweden with the help of, of, of their fellow sort of Christian Danes. And um, that's, that's the story. Yeah. It's that's great. That, oh, epic I... kind of wild musical. And <laughs> it doesn't seem like something you'd want to make a musical, but, um, and, well. and that has, a, has the theme of, of not only right, the, the actual, you know, uh, anti-Semitism themes and things like that, but also, um, not for never forgetting, never forgetting this story. Yeah. It's also a story that I think a lot of people don't know. Yeah, I don't. Um, I that's the first I've heard of it, but it sounds yeah. very much yeah. like the stories in that time frame in history. There are so many of them where people did extraordinary things to right. be and, good. And there's a lot of stories of you know any Holocaust sort of movie or story. It's always like it's always the you know Schindler's List is maybe right. the one that's kind of hopeful one, but it's also very dark and very sad and. And and we wanted to tell a slightly a slightly a slightly hopeful story from that dark time. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, that's the other thing we're working on, and that's been two and a half years, I guess, in the process. And we're we're just chipping away, chipping away, and um, we're excited to to try and do like either a presentation of either Act One or maybe a workshop of that in the next six months to a year. So those yeah. are the two big things I'm working on. That those sound amazing, uh, and I w- would love to see them. So I will look forward uh, with eager <laughs> anticipation to being able to yeah. see um, performances of those sometime in the near future. Yes, um, me too. I'm looking forward to seeing performances of them too. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for chatting with us today. It's been wonderful to learn about your process and your uh, your background a little bit, and uh, you know how you approach things and. Um, We've loved to dive deeper with you. So thank you so much for being with us, Jason. Thank you, Emily. It was a pleasure to talk with you and and, um, excited from afar to see how audiences are receiving on the market. It seems like it's going well. I'm really grateful for for Tony and everybody there of of taking such good care of the play and and it seems like everyone's enjoying it. So thank you. Oh, they are. So thank you. On the Market plays at the Williamston Theatre until October 22nd, 2023. Be sure to join us for our next episode when we chat with another great theatre artist. See you soon at the Williamston Theatre.